Hi, everybody. Hi, guys. First lost boss bitch of season, season two. two. We arbitrarily, <laughs> arbitrarily season. We're like 15 episodes. That's the first season. That's season two, two now. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. And right. we don't know how many episodes season two is going to be. So it's a we, mystery. It's yeah. a sexy mystery. It might be like, hey, guys, we just finished our seventh episode. Thanks for listening <laughs> to season two. See ya. <laughs> We're going to have 40 seasons within a year. Yes. Um, that's just how we roll. We do what we want. Yeah, we do what we want, and you listen to it. So you thank you. Choose. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for doing this. Um, our interviews are very popular. Our Lost Boss bitches, though, they're coming into their own. Yeah. You know? They're growing up. You We're know. Reading better. <laughs> <laughs> we do more than just look at Wikipedia sometimes. Sometimes. Not always. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, hard to say. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. a toss-up. It's part of the excitement mm-hmm. right yeah so so um just a quick recap about our lives yeah i'm here, I'm here in a shower <laughs> so rebecca <laughs> don't know if you know this but uh audience i have my cosmetology <laughs> license yeah, Lindsay has a skill <laughs> and rebecca was like hey we do my roots when oh i come over God. to record and i said yeah sure <laughs> so we slapped it on i put a shower cap on her head and here we are <laughs> Trapped you out of retirement. Lindsay has not been doing this for all. She's had like real jobs. <laughs> not the, not the, oh my God. Sorry. Not the cosmetology. No. Well, I mean, the way that I did cosmetology was not like a real job. I would go to people's houses with would like. Drink bottles of wine. Yes. And like. So yeah, I. I oh my God. We're going to get a barrage of texts. About- no, I feel like. I'm not offended. So she can say that. If you're offended and you work in a I salon, that's not what she meant. Back in the day when I was a broadcast improviser and not much else, <laughs> I would go to people's houses and charge them $20 for a haircut and $50 for a cut in color. Yes, that's a great deal. Um, also, I wish I still had your long apology email about charging more than $20. I <laughs> sent this like, tome of an email at one point. She's like, I'm so sorry. Listen, um, it's harder and harder to get kind of to your houses and things. So I'm going to charge I completely $30 forgot about that. <laughs> And then everybody was like, we thought you were crazy before. <laughs> no, it was like the most Midwestern thing I've <laughs> ever gotten in LA. Uh, well, those mid <laughs> as you know, those Midwestern roots run real deep. They do. They real, do. Real, real deep. I can attest to that. Um, um, so I'm here in, uh, in a... In a cape? In a, cape, in a shower. In a cape, you know what? Shower, I'm going to yeah. go ahead and take a picture Please for do. our Instagram. Please do. Um, Hard at work. Hard. Oh, <laughs> well, I got to wipe. Is your, is the thing on your, is your camera lens always greasy like mine? Oh God. My whole thing is a gummy, disgusting, like soy sauce, sweet and sour ranch Smile. dressing. Where are my hands shaking? <laughs> I'm going through withdrawals. Do it after. Do it after. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Like right now, right here, right We're now. doing it live. <laughs> Fuck it. Right. We'll do it live. We're listening to it play by play. Here yes. we go. Sorry. Are you asleep? Wake up. <laughs> Like, please, we're having fun. Why aren't you? <laughs> Women to talk about. <laughs> okay, so mm-hmm. we're here to deliver some lost boss bitches. Yes. If you're here, you probably already know that. Uh huh. But it's always good to recap, right? I agree. And listen, we've got a whole new crop. Mm-hmm. We're, again, better than ever at length and, yeah. uh, and reading skills. And passion. And, and going through the beginning and the end of what we're going to read and making sure that it all makes sense. All lines up. <laughs> um, she's saying this now, but after she hears mine, she might have to recant that. I'm hoping that mine, I'm taking inventory in my own head as I say this. And I'm like, mm. mine is kind of, well, it is about two women. Ooh. You'll see. You'll see. Okay. 
I burped. Um, anyway, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first because mine's about one woman and it's, again, it's a little more kind of mainstay and then we can move on to your I'm weird. So excited. The weirdness. <laughs> okay, you guys. My bo- lost boss bitch is Elizabeth Blackwell, the first woman ever to graduate medical school and become a doctor. Yes, girl. How about that? How about that? And again, uh, I don't want to say that she's the first woman doctor because there have been many doctors, midwives, uh, women have been delivering babies for a very long time. So long. But Sometimes they were accused of witchcraft mm-hmm. because of that. Exactly. More exciting than my story. <laughs> um, maybe someday we'll do a couple of those. How about that? Yeah. Uh, spooky. But she was the one to kind of break in um, into, you know, kind of the American... She, she is called uh, the first American woman doctor okay um to go through all the steps that many americans take to become a doctor um so she was born in england near bristol on february 3rd 1821 the third of nine children jesus yep uh women did not have uh education 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 or access that's the her siblings and herself were tutored at home. They just like ate and had discussions and they'd have dinner guests from different sides of the tracks. So it was oh, kind of this awesome. like salon at home, which kind of laid the foundation of her wanting more. Um, but nine years later, uh, Bristol was not great. There were riots, factories were burned. Her uh, father decided to move the family to America. So they settled in New York in 1832. And 11-year-old Elizabeth continued her studies, reading everything, learning French and German. I like how all of these like young women we talk about are already like quadruple lingual right? at like 10 years and old. And completely self-motivated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I was 10, I was like, I'm going mm-hmm. to gonna maybe one day read a book. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, this Easy Bake Oven still works? Or what? <laughs> like, I, I use it twice. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to make uh, earrings at a <laughs> girl's birthday party. Mm-hmm. Make mm, some friendship I'm bracelets. A fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so they moved to America, and the family never regained the financial prosperity that they had in England. Um, they start over again. They moved from New York to Cincinnati. Ohio. Okay. Um, and then uh, Elizabeth's dad died. No, what did he die uh, of? He died from bilary fever caused by a tick bite. What? Right? Ticks scare me. Ticks are disgusting. Yes. Ugh. Oof. Okay, so Elizabeth was 18 then, and her mother, Hannah, and her two older sisters opened a private school. Um, the Cincinnati English and French Academy for Young Ladies. Wow. Mm-hmm. They had great school names, too, back then. Right? Very... Yeah. Um, Very flourishing. So they basically were the bread, the breadwinners until the boys were old enough to go into the business two years later. Um, And so then they all were teachers and they all tutored students privately after the school closed. Um, And then she left home Elizabeth for the first time um, and kind of saw a little bit more of the United States, um, specifically uh, the realities of slavery and racism. Oh, Um, And, kind of uh it opened her eyes to bettering herself and seeing what a shitstorm the United States was at that point. Um let's see. Then a friend who <laughs> was on her deathbed part of her uh trip uh around the United States 
she visited a friend who told her that she should study medicine um, because that was something that was super important, again, to her friend who is dying of cancer. Oh. Yeah. Um, so that was something, again, that she saw and was like, holy shit, I got to get out of Ohio, right? Tale as old as time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> right? I, feel, I mean, I'm from Indiana, but it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You just got to get out of you there. You got to get There's out of there, guys. <laughs> oh, all of our Midwestern <laughs> listeners are like, like, guys, go fuck yourselves. We're still here. You guys are doing a great job. Yeah, you are doing a great job. Um, so initially she was repelled by the idea of studying anything connected to the human body, but she found herself returning to the idea um, she said, the other circumstances forced upon me the necessity of devoting myself to some absorbing occupation. I became impatient of the disturbing influence exercised by the other sex. Oh. Misogyny. I'd always been extremely susceptible to this influence. Um, so her family couldn't afford to send her there. So she had to marry into it. She had to like kind of marry a doctor. So then she could get to medical school? Mm-hmm. Um... So she married a doctor who was rich. Uh, and at, in 1845, at age 24, she decided she was going to just go to medical school. So to accomplish her goal, she took another teaching position, um, saved even more money, uh, and she... See, this is where it breaks down. Um, <laughs> and then she went to... Uh, oh, she was working in a boarding school for a little bit. Again, the husband stuff. The husband information quickly uh, peters out once she like leaves to go to medical school. <laughs> um, so in the summer of 1847, she sailed to Philadelphia because it was considered to have the best schooling. She sailed there? She sailed there. Um, uh, ooh. I'm how? not good with geography. How? What body what? of water is that? I know. Across the, a Great Lake. Oh, maybe? wow. Maybe, yeah, I guess yeah. so. I guess like maybe like Michigan. Um so she sailed to Philadelphia because it was considered to have the best schooling. She applied to the four best medical colleges in Philadelphia and was rejected. Of course. She recorded her diary that uh, all the interviews with the school officials and said how disappointing that they were, and she continued to seek admission. Um, but then she decided to study anatomy privately with a doctor who thought she was smart, and his name was Dr. Joseph Warrington. And she got to visit his patients, attend his lectures, and make use of his library. Um, and then she eventually applied for admission to every medical college in Philadelphia and New York City. Um, and then she was rejected again by, by all, all of 29 them. 29 schools. 29 schools rejected her? Yeah, yeah. After she had basically made her own little medical school? Exactly. And like had real experience where I'm sure like the white guys who were applying were like, well, we're rich. Yeah, we, we got the We have a penis and also money. Exactly. Refusing to give up, she then wrote to a number of lesser known colleges, including Geneva Medical College in Western New York State. She was accepted there, um, and then she found out the college administrators let the students decide whether to allow a woman admission or not. Um, so she was accepted, and then they were like, students, what do you guys think? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, fortunately for her, the young man there thought it was a joke and said yes. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. They're like, there's no way a woman wants to go to medical school. Right? Sure, let her in. Try it out. <laughs> <laughs> the lesser, like, shitty, like, C-minus medical school. Um, a woman studying medicine was such an aberration. Uh, townspeople would stare at her. She would get ostracized by everybody who thought she was insane, immoral, whatever. But she kept strong. Uh, she joined the class midterm, and she caught up and became the head of her class. Of course she did. Ooh, that's a joke, guys. Right? <laughs> How about that? 
In the summer between school terms, Elizabeth returned to Philadelphia to work at Blockley Almshouse um, f- to help with a typhus ap- ap- epidemic. And typhus doesn't exist anymore, right? Is typhus and typhoid the same thing? Are uh, typhus and typhoid the same thing? Oh, no. I don't know. I'll look it up. Um, but typhus uh, became the subject of her thesis um, in medical school. In January 1849, at the age of 28, Elizabeth Blackwell received her medical degree at the top of her class. Um, Though she had received the necessary training and credentials, she was banned from practicing by the medical community. Oh, my God. Yeah, achieve one thing, and then you fucking hit that glass ceiling, ladies. You just Um, break your neck on that glass ceiling. Right? Uh, So she went to Europe um, (laughs) to try to study, and nobody would let her study there either. Come on! Yes. Um, after a few months, she traveled to the Paris Hospital La Maternité, where she was admitted under the condition that she be, be treated as a student midwife, not a physician. Of course. So, mm-hmm. She found support in a young resident physician who provided mentoring throughout her training. Um, her study was cut short when she contracted uh, purulent ophthalmia, resulting in one eye being removed, preventing her from fulfilling a dream of becoming a surgeon. Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus Christ. Uh, she went back to England in 1850, was then finally accepted as an intern uh, with the help of a male cousin who vouched for her. Um, so she became uh, kind of well-known from all of this and also the removal of her eye, like her perseverance. She was this character, and she became friends with Anne Isabella Byron, the widow of Lord Byron. Mm-hmm. Um, and she met Florence Nightingale. And then she... Uh, decided to go back to New York and open her own practice. And no, uh, here's a surprise. No male doctor would accept her as an associate. Oh, so weird. <laughs> that was very, what a twist. <laughs> no, like, no landlord in the city would rent her a space. What is wrong? So as Everyone. anyone would do who couldn't find real estate in New York City, she went to Jersey City, yeah, baby. Yeah, she did. Okay. <laughs> Yep, uh, she didn't find any patients. <laughs> she had a very hard time, so she started uh, lecturing about being a woman in the medical field. Uh, she wrote a bunch of articles about the importance of good hygiene and exercise and physical education, specifically geared towards women. Um, and then finally, she got some patients. And her sister also went to medical school um, after she did. You know, Did she have forged. the worst time ever trying to be a doctor as well? She... Uh, didn't have as bad of a time, although it's not as detailed here, but they started working together. Good for um, them. Exactly. And she be- began traveling to England and slowly, slowly the world of medicine was opening up to her after all of this fucking time. God damn. Yeah. Um, so she practiced uh, um, in England for a long time, um, but in 1879, she was 74 um, and died. And at the time of her death, America had over 7,000 practicing women physicians who had graduated with a medical diploma. So a lot had happened in her, in her lifetime. In her life. Um, and she was the first woman to practice medicine in America and fucking fought her whole life for it. Yeah. So, she lost an eye and still wanted to make it happen. Yeah. She was just like going for it and going for it. Uh, see, guys, perseverance pays off eventually. Mm-hmm, exactly. But it takes a fucking lot. It is a constant struggle until death. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe you get a couple crowning moments in there, but, but mostly just it's gonna be bad. Just shit, you know? Yeah. Unless you got some man on your side that'll vouch for you. Or think you're a joke and let you in on that point. Yeah. 
Uh, Elizabeth Blackwell, everybody. Well, I mean, I so wish she was still alive and we could interview her mm-hmm. because what things she would have to say. Yeah, absolutely. But that's why we do this. I know. We should have a doctor on our show. We should have a doctor Actually, on our show. Actually, my cousin's an ER doctor. You guys want to meet my cousin? Yeah. Cool. I want to meet your cousin. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I also want to have my midwife on. <gasps> yes. Ooh, that'd be fun to do like a another half. Yeah. Half and half. Yeah. We'll have our moms on. We'll have our cousins on. Oh, we'll have some midwives yeah. on. Yeah. Everyone we know gets to be on this podcast. Not to brag, but she told me that I have a perfect cervix. Damn, fuck you. Which is now <laughs> the name of my metal band. <laughs> perfect, perfect cervix. cervix. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's awesome. I honestly had, I knew very little about Elizabeth Blackwell. Yeah. Especially, I had no idea she had one eye. Mm -hmm. Poor thing. Did she wear an eye patch, you think? Oh, man. I don't, I didn't see any pictures of her with an eye patch, but... Hard to see. I did also saw mostly drawings of her. Oh. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll do Maybe she research. had a fake eye too. Yeah, a little fun glass eye that yeah. was like weird, like a little off. Uh-huh. You know? Just it, you never quite know if mm-hmm. she's looking at you. Yeah, my great uncle has one of those. I we'll have him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to change the podcast to only people with glass eyes. Hey, fun relatives of <laughs> <laughs> We're going to call it family tree. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, well, mine is practically the same, not at all. Um, but on the other podcast that I do, Shameless Plug. Yeah. Plug it. We do a segment where we ask Dear Abby questions and then answer them ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that got me thinking, who the fuck is Dear Abby? <gasps> and why do we take... Oh, so you do Dear Abby and her daughter, right? No. Her granddaughter? Her twin sister. Holy fuck! Tell me more. (laughs) So, Dear Abby and Ann Landers are identical twin sisters. Those aren't their names. Um, (laughs) So, their names are um, Esther Pauline Friedman Mm -hmm. and... Pauline Esther Freedom. Mm, a little Friedman. more Semitic right? than we thought. But they also have the same name just flipped. <laughs> Pauline Esther Friedman <laughs> and Esther Pauline Friedman <laughs> were their give birth, given birth names. Mm-hmm. Um, Pauline goes by Popo and Esther goes by Epi or went by Epi. They've both since passed away. Um, but anyway, they were born in Sioux Falls, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, in... Oh, wait, no, that's their wedding. Let me, I didn't write down their no, birthday. Okay. I hear that Dan Savage has Dear Abby's desk. Oh. He bought it. He talks about oh, that's it amazing. on his podcast. Yeah. Her, so we'll get to it, but her daughter continues her column. Yeah, okay. Jean okay. or Jeanne? I'm not sure how you say it. J-E-A-N-N-E. Yeah. Is it Jean or Jeanne? Jeannie? Jeannie? We'll say Jeannie. Okay. So they were born in Sioux Falls, Iowa. Um, July 4th, 1918. Twin, identical twin sisters. Um, they obviously were both syndicated advice columnists. We've covered that. Lindsay, you don't need to read that part. Um, the duo, uh, although often had a rocky relationship, they wrote a gossip, gossip column together, column together in college and they had a double wedding. Oh my God. A double wedding. I've, I've, been to a couple double bar mitzvahs, but a, a double, double wedding. wedding. They had a double wedding in July of 1939. Have a no. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and Josh is, I, fun fact about me, I'm married to an identical twin man. Um, we did not have a double wedding. We did get married yes, almost exactly a year apart. <laughs> oh, God, what a nightmare. Josh would have... Josh would have uh, left me before that happens. Um, okay. So uh, Epi was the first to start the advice column. She applied to take over um, for the woman who had initially started um, Ask Ann Landers for the Chicago Sun-Times. Um, after that one passed away, uh, where I don't know where her name is. I didn't write it down. Um, a couple months later, her sister pitched a Dear Abby column to the San Francisco Times and um, got it. And that really pissed Epi off (laughs) Um, because apparently, according to Jeannie, Pauline's daughter, um, Epi really wanted to be known as an individual while um, Popo, Pauline, loved being a twin. Mm-hmm. So she was just kind of like, hey, we can both have advice columns. <laughs> oh, and then God. Epi's like, I'm not going to talk to you for years. <laughs> oh, and God. that is what happened. Um, so they had their different ways of going about it. Um, first, let's focus on Epi, who is, let me reiterate, she's Ask Ann Landers. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, uh, she made some in- inaccurate statements over the course of her career, and you might recognize some of them. Yeah. In 1955, she wrote, In recent years, there have been reports of people with twisted minds putting razor blades in poison and taffy apples and Halloween candy. It is no longer safe to let your children eat treats that come from strangers. The vague warning was criticized for causing fear um, dishonestly, and there were no documented cases of that actually happening. She just had like a weird nightmare. I guess. And she was just like... This is a bad idea. So I'm going to make some shit up. She's like razor blades. And, and people apples. still have that in the back of their minds. They totally do. Everybody still talks about it at Halloween. That is so true. Guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah. You can thank Ann Landers slash Epi. For your parents freaking out at you. Right. Also, nobody gets apples. No, nobody does Halloween. candy apples. Also, candy apples are bullshit. Have you ever had an oh, actual no, I like candy, candy apple? apples? Yeah, the, with the red. Yes. Ugh, no. Well, give it. me caramel. Give me caramel. <laughs> give me death. I've invested a lot of razor <laughs> I'm going to put a razor blade <laughs> in your candy apple, Rebecca, <laughs> oh, so you no. don't love it anymore. The first documented case. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> no. Um, she also, for some crazy reason in 1996, um, told her readers that they should avoid throwing rice at weddings, Mm -hmm. lest birds eat it and explode. You remember hearing this, right? (laughs) She's a scientist. She's just like, this is a thing. Um, (laughs) such advice was erroneous. All milled rice is not harmful to birds. And she later recanted. But as we all know, people started throwing bird seed Mm -hmm. instead of rice. People blow bubbles. When Mm -hmm. was the last time you were at a wedding where rice was thrown? I don't know. Exactly. It's more of a hazard of getting in your eye, I think, than it would be to make a bird. Yeah. I think it was just like made shit up. We should put her recant on the instagram yeah i bet it's like i'm sorry sorry guys i made up shit <laughs> it just i was bored yeah that there seemed weren't fun. that many great questions this week <laughs> um <laughs> so here we are um but on a better note for epi um she expressed some opinions that were unpopular for the public at large at the time um Ooh. this was in like the 50s and 60s she favored legalization of prostitution yeah, baby. And she was pro-choice. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Um, she was also pretty progressive with homosexual rights for the time. Um, in 1973, she wrote 
in support of legalization of homosexual acts. Yeah. And argued that uh, those in the homosexual community should be regarded as full and equal citizens. Um, But that was kind of a change from how she talked about it before because in the 50s, she did describe homosexuality as a sickness an unnatural dysfunction, um, but she eventually changed her tune, obviously, um, mm-hmm. after she received a lot of letters from the gay community saying that they were happy being gay. And yeah. we're you know, humans. We're humans, and this is <laughs> how we live our life, and yeah. it's how we were born. So she did eventually state that, quote, it is my firm conviction that homosexuality is not a learned behavior. And she added that while being gay could be suppressed, it could not be altered. Ah, Which, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And um, even though she supported gay rights in a lot of ways... She and her sister were both very much um, into kind of normal, normative gender roles and marriage, um, inst- the marriage institution. Mm-hmm. So she did not, as of 1996, support marriage equality. Okay. But who's to say she as wouldn't of have... 1996. 1996. Like, is you okay? But, but my husband is the head of my house. He's the head of my house and I will d- make him happy no mm-hmm. matter what. I don't know what to do with bills. Bills, what are bills? Um, So she made the decision that she did not want the column to continue after she died. So she passed away in 2002. um, I have it right here. How did you die? It was some sort of cancer, but I want to say the Mm. right kind. Mm. Um, She was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. Uh, in January 2002 and died in June. Um, Another fun fact about her is she said that she kept in shape by walking the length of her apartment many times daily. God damn. Super fun. Yeah. You listen to some podcasts while you do that? How long is your apartment? Seriously. (laughs) It was like a Chicago penthouse. So it was probably big, but at the same time. Wow. Way to way to exercise, Abby. Exactly, Jesus. So the reason we know Dear Abby better is because obviously it continued on after Pauline's death. Popo, Popo, it's such a weird nickname. My know, name's Popo. So old school. I want to call her Five O. Epi and Popo. Popo. Yeah. Um. So she was over there. It, it, Dear Abby's been syndicated in countless newspapers. Um, and she also hosted a radio show from 1963 to 1975. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is the other twin. This is Popo Pauline. Mm-hmm. Um, and Diane Sawyer uh, called her a pioneer queen of salty advice. Mm. And the New York Times once described her column as, um, with her comic and flinty yet fundamentally sympathetic voice, Mrs. Phillips helped wrestle the advice column from its weepy Victorian past into hard-nosed 20th century present. And I want to read you a couple of examples as to why they said that about her. Um, So here's, I have three. Uh, Dear Abby, our daughter-in-law was married in January. Five months later, she had a nine-pound baby girl. She said the baby was premature. Tell me, can a baby this big be that early? Signed, Wondering. 
Mm-mm. Dear Abby writes, Dear Wondering, the baby was on time. The wedding was late. Forget it. <laughs> Love it. Um, salty. <laughs> so salty. Uh, Dear Abby, what is the cure for a man that has been married for 33 years and still can't stay away from other women? Signed, his wife. Mm. Dear wife, rigor mortis. Oh. Love oh, it. Real. It got yes. real in here. Um, Dear Abby, which is better to go to school, uh, to go to a school dance with a creep or to sit at home? Signed, all shook up. Dear Shook, <laughs> go with the creep and look over the crop. Ooh. Yeah, lady, keep your options open. Um, that woman was never heard from again. Yep. <laughs> she was killed. <laughs> she went with a serial killer, and here we are. That was Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Wisconsin, <laughs> baby. Yep. Uh, so because Epi and Popo were in competition most of their careers, uh, like I mentioned earlier, their relationship was constantly on the rocks. Um, they did publicly reconcile in 1964, but according to Pauline's daughter, Jeannie, um, they were not speaking when Epi died in 2002. Wow. Bummer. Um, but unlike her sister, Pauline was fine with her calm continuing after her death. And, uh, she began struggling with Alzheimer's in 2002. And that's when Jeannie took over her column. Um, and she passed, Pauline passed away in 2013 from Mm. the disease, but you can go to dearabby.com and that that column is still alive and well and kicking. So, uh, yeah, they were, they were trailblazers for the salty, funny kind of progressive advice columnists. Yeah. Does good advice run in families? (sighs) I guess so. I guess so. I guess so. Maybe good advice. Yes. They also both played the violin. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Who was better? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say Epi. Epi seemed like the more serious one. Yeah. She's the one that was like, ugh, being a twin sucks. Yes. Okay. Okay. Got it. (laughs) She was like, this is my thing. Why are you doing this? No, because we do everything together. Oh my God. How crazy. Yeah. I love that. I love that shit though. I used to read Dear Abby, I think more than Ann Lander. Maybe not. Well, Ann Lander's, well, I guess it was still going in two. 2002, which is crazy Mm -hmm. because it feels like such an old institution. But Mm -hmm. 2002 wasn't that long ago. Well, 15 years ago. Holy shit. Yeah, I guess it depends what newspaper you like read as a kid too. Yeah. I used to love those advice columns. Me too. Listen to Wigs and Weiss. They answer them. We got some new Ann Landers (laughs) on our hands. That's right. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I had no, I had no idea that they were not that those were just pen names and yeah. B had no idea that they were identical twin sisters. Oh my God. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, again, being a twin creeps me out a lot because I think they can read each other's minds a lot. Um, is that true? Mm-hmm. Is that true? I, got- I can't speak for Josh, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say no. Okay. I think that they probably, they just think similarly. Okay. You know? I think some twins do. Wake up in the middle of the night and he's like, John's in trouble. Never. (laughs) Never. Okay. (laughs) Fine. I don't don't mean to spoil. There might be twins that are like that, though. You know those um, twins that run up and down San Vicente? Have you ever seen them? No. They're like these incredible... They're they're also in Baskets, that Zach Galifianakis show. Oh, really? They play the adopted brothers of Baskets. Okay. Baskets and Chip. Mm -hmm. Um, And they run in matching outfits, completely head-to-toe matching outfits, 
in stride with one another up and down San Vicente, and they wow. have the body of bodies of Adonises. Holy shit! Yeah, so they probably can read each other's minds. Yeah, they definitely can. They yeah. probably sleep in the same twin bed. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna go with it. You heard yeah. it here first, <laughs> here, folks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So twins are very interesting, and I bet you would always kind of be in competition with the other one, kind mm-hmm. of. And you have to be very zen about it, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I keep away from most twins. Again, <laughs> the mind control. <laughs> Rebecca hates twins. You I heard like it here them. first, I folks. Just, I fear them and I respect them. <laughs> They're like hornets. Yes. <laughs> exactly like, like hornets. I, I, I Listen, I like them well enough, but I will keep I'll, I'll keep, keep your away, distance. You know? <laughs> Josh is listening to this Josh and just like, like what the fuck is happening damn Rebecca's hated me this whole <laughs> no, time no. no she's feared you <laughs> feared you and respected you the whole time <laughs> in my way <laughs> can I see your guest room again <laughs> please <laughs> oh, oh, so we, um, we did it we made it it's the um, first lost boss bitch we're back we did it I hope, hope you, you enjoyed it, it. Are we, Are we twins? twins? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that'll do it. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Boss Bitch is produced by Sammy Junio with music by Chiffon Mist featuring Cassandra Violet. And if you want to find us online, you can find us at bossbitchpodcast.com. Our Twitter is Boss B Podcast. Our Instagram is Boss Bitch Podcast. And our Facebook is just a little bit different because they don't let us curse. Boss BTCH Podcast. Uh, find us and listen to us. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>